Welcome, my name is Krish Kumar and I'm the host of Kicking It with Krish. I'm so excited that you're tuning in for season two of the podcast. It's available on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Kicking It with Krish. Today, I'm joined by special guest, Lynn Schusterman, an Oklahoma billionaire and philanthropist. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Lynn. It's so great to have you. Looking forward to talking to you. And as a sad note, I, uh, a side note, I see that you are at the University of Michigan. And my father worked his way through the University of Michigan graduating in 1917 waiting tables. So there is a connection there. Absolutely. Go blue. And I'm also a, a native, I'm also a native Tulsan. And, uh, you know, there's, I've just been exposed to all the wonderful things that the foundation has done and all the impact that you've made in Tulsa. So I'm super excited for this conversation. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before uh, we, we got on the podcast and started recording, but just briefly, if you want to go over your background real quick, just for the audience. Okay, I was born in 1939 in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, because of business, my father and mother, uh, when I was two years old, moved to Oklahoma City. So basically, for all practical purposes, I grew up in Oklahoma City. And that was a time of huge uh, anti-Semitism, anti-Black segregation. Uh, Blacks couldn't buy homes. Uh, Jews couldn't buy homes in certain areas. There were clubs that we were restricted from. And I grade school left a horrible impact on me in that I was called a kike and a dirty Jew. And the six blocks that I lived from the school, I was chased home every day, spit on, kicked. And so I kind of learned to run very fast. So it wasn't a great experience. And then high school uh, was not much better in that um, there were still certain clubs that Jews couldn't belong to. And uh, growing up, the high schools were totally segregated. So I never saw in any of my classes, any of my grades, person of color. And really, to some extent, even that that extends into uh, college. So, um, but when I married Charlie and moved to Tulsa, um, I started initially to get very involved in a, a organization that the National Council of Jewish Women ran for the Tulsa Police Department on taking children within 24 hours out of their homes where they were suffering terrible abuse covered with cigarette burns broken bones, et cetera. So that was how one of our very first initiatives, the Parent Child Center of Tulsa came about was my involvement in working with um, abused children. And also, as I talked about previously, when Charlie and I first got married, 
we lived in a two-room duplex behind 21st and, and Sheridan. So um, when oil was $3 a barrel, Charlie gambled everything that we had on creating Samson. And we were very fortunate and very blessed. And as I mentioned that when I was younger, I always went with my father to help little old ladies write checks, drive them to the grocery store. So I think that both of us, because Charlie was a first generation immigrant. So um, he faced certain challenges too, but we both were raised in homes where we felt that philanthropy and giving back was very important. And most importantly, was an education and helping people cross boundaries in which they were born. Yeah, absolutely. That's great to hear. Um, one of the things I wanted to dive into was, you know, obviously the Charles and, and, and Lynn Schusterman Family Foundation. So started in 1987. I just want to dive into kind of the different components of this and, and how this kind of came about and what the mission was behind this. Well, um, as I said, both of us always felt that it was very important to give back and to help people less fortunate than we were. So um, it was in 1987 that the foundation started and it started really relatively small. And uh, as we grew, the foundation grew, but one of the main focuses initially was education and helping, as I said, people cross boundaries. And then because we are, we, Charlie was, and I am Jewish, uh, getting involved in Jewish, uh, uh, like BBYO, Hillel, some of those endeavors, and then later on, you know, birthright and, and everything, uh, the, the foundation and the interest has grown. And then um, I can't remember the exact date that I met with Wendy Kopp, who started Teach for America. And it was something that I helped bring to Tulsa because I saw the advantage of young people who were graduating from college who could go to a, a, a boot camp, a summer training program, and go right into the classroom and help supplement and do uh, education. And so that was one of the very first things that, that we helped bring to uh, Tulsa, along like with the Parent Child Center, the Schusterman Benson Library, uh, you know, um, things like that. Yeah. And obviously the goal of this foundation was to improve lives, strengthen communities, advance equity. And as you mentioned, education and being a you know student in Tulsa for many years and, and graduating from a Tulsa high school, Booker T. Washington, um, it was just great to see all the impact uh, that has been made. Um, I'd love for you to touch on kind of the importance of education, specifically at the young age and, and how those effects can compound in later years. I think that I happen to have had a third grade teacher that had a huge impact on me uh, and the way she brought out how I love to learn and, and the knowledge and wanting to grow with my education and then also reading and the importance of reading. So I think that that's something that, and Charlie went to OU, so um he he saw the importance of, of going to a college within state and not having to pay out-of-state tuition. And then it also was our involvement in helping TCC 
get started because we didn't have at the time a, a really good junior college. And then the way TCC has grown and then now with union uh, school, you can take college classes and stuff and just the impact and the importance of education and learning and then the skills to read and concentrate. And then we got involved in STEM you know, science, technology, and engineering. My father was an electrical engineer and Charlie was a petroleum engineer. So engineering was something that was like very important in the family. And then especially the impact because growing up in the 40s and the 50s, women were not where they are today. In fact, when I took over the foundation, there was a, a, a local newspaper that said, we don't know if she'll succeed. So I have now having five granddaughters and a daughter running the foundation. I hope that all of them appreciate how far women have come. And, but it's also been something that's been vitally important to me to promote equality among women and all sexes, and then to be open and inclusive. And in 19... I don't know if it was 78 or exactly when Dennis Neal came to work uh, at Samson, but we started getting involved then in the LGBTQ movement because everyone needs to be treated with dignity and to feel that they are a person and be able to look you in the eye. So that was something that was vitally important. And then one of the things that really bothers me today is the way the high rate of suicide in uh, the transgender high school and young people. Yeah, um, certainly. And I think some great strides have been made, but, you know, the job's not finished. I think there's definitely more work to be done, more strides to be made. And, you know, coming back to the point where you said uh, that newspaper was was doubtful if you'd succeed, I mean, I think you've done a tremendous job. Um, like I said, as a Tulsan, uh, the impact you've made in Tulsa and just other communities is is so profound and it's it's you know spread across various areas and felt by many other people as well. Yeah, uh, of course. I wanted to talk a little bit about leadership um, and the importance of leadership, but also this this pledge called the Giving Pledge um, that you and and some other prominent figures like Warren Buffett and and Bill Gates have joined. Can you talk about this pledge? Uh. <clears throat> Well, I, I joined, I think, the second year of the pledge. And we were already kind of doing that about giving whatever percentage of your worth. But I thought that it was so important for to get other people involved in doing something like that and understanding the impact that they could have on the next generation. And one of the things that I've been so pleased about with the giving pledge, and I've tried to get some of the other organizations and then YPI in Tulsa to start youth philanthropy initiatives. So with the Gates Foundation, they not only do now the next generation, but they do the next, next generation. So my granddaughters are involved. And that's one of the things that I think the Giving Pledge does that's so vitally important is to teach people that everybody's you know, you you can all do something. It may be little to begin with, but giving back is vitally important. And when I talk to young people, I tell the story that's really great 
we have the giving pledge and we have Bill Gates and stuff. But one day uh, in New York City, I was going to a meeting and I was late as usual. And this blind young man was crossing the street. And I asked him where he was going and he was going in the opposite direction. So I stopped to help him go where he was going. So my comment to young people is that you never know when you can have the impact to make somebody else's life different and better. It doesn't take money. It takes you caring, putting yourself out there and be willing to get involved. And I think that you're a perfect example. And when Michelle told me that you not only want to do this interview, but that you were interning for the foundation this summer, I was thrilled because you're a perfect example of what we're trying to do to pay it forward, to make the world a better place, but to reach young people to care. And there's a great film right now on Hulu called A Small Life. And the story of this is the story of this young woman who started out very frivolously in Amsterdam. She was hired by a man named Leo Flank. And this young woman took the Frank family into hiding. And she's the one who found Anne Frank's diary. But she made a comment that was so impactful to me. And it's the name of the, of the movie, a, a small light in a dark room can make a difference. So that's kind of who I am, what I am, and what I've tried to, to impact on you and the next generation. Kindergartners with their lemonade stands. Yeah, certainly. And, and obviously you've had an impact on me and I'm super grateful. And uh, thank you for the compliments. I mean, it's just been a pleasure, you know, working with everyone this summer. But one thing I also want to touch on was you mentioned your background and how that kind of inspired you to help out the Jewish community specifically. Um, talk about that and the experiences you've had with, you know, making an impact in that community specifically. Okay. Well, I think that kind of what started me on this, of uh, more so the Jewish thing, uh, because I said growing up when I did, I wanted to be anything but Jewish. It just was not on my radar screen. So Charlie decided before we went any place in the world that we would go to Israel. And at, on this trip, it was really impactful on me because I saw people living in a country surrounded by hostile enemies, people who were Holocaust survivors, working to have a better life and to make a better life for their kids and their grandkids. And then going to Auschwitz and some of the places that I've been, um, I look at the, the Holocaust had a huge impact on me also, because I look at someone like Ellie Weisel and what he's done and what he's created. And I always said, if he can do this, I can do this. And so um, I was 45 and Charlie was 47 when he was given six months to two years to live with chronic myelogenic leukemia. And we went on a very experimental protocol, but that kind of was like someone like Ali Wilson was my role model in not feeling sorry for myself instead of saying, uh, why me saying, why not me? Someone has to be that person. And Charlie had this great book, a Dr. Seuss book. And the Dr. Seuss book was, I had trouble in getting the solace to lose. 
And the sky wanted to go to Sala Salu, where you have no troubles, or at least very few. And when he got there, he found out, like all of us, that everyone has troubles. It's how you treat these troubles and how you look at it. And his favorite was, the glass is half full, not half empty. So that's how I kind of look at things moving forward. Yeah, it's a you know classic saying, and it applies to everything from from daily examples to to bigger things to smaller things. There's no scope really there. Um, great saying. Um, you mentioned you know helping out in the community and giving back and, and philanthropy. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is, what do you enjoy doing for fun outside of the, the this kind of bubble? Well, uh, before I now that I'm back, I I love the theater, I love the ballet, I love the symphony, I love the museums, and I think we're so lucky here in in Tulsa. Like uh, last weekend, it was the last weekend of the show at Philbrook uh, that I got to go to and see Philbrook surrounded by young people going to the show that day, and kids even. Uh, it was just wonderful. So that's kind of how, what I do in uh, my my free time. I you know, and the the ballet here is fantastic. So that that's kind of what I do, and I love to read. I'm a ferocious reader. Yeah. Do you have any uh, book recommendations? No, uh, not that I can think of at the moment. For that, that everyone would like. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. As we wrap up, I have one final question. What's your piece of advice that you have for young people trying to make an impact in the world and find their way? Um, you know, you mentioned a couple of things previously um, that you, your husband said. Um, and then the biggest thing that struck me was, you know, money doesn't make the difference in helping people. It's you putting yourself out there, finding something that you're passionate about and making it a mission and a vision to, to help others. Um, but what's one piece of advice that you have for, for young people wanting to make an impact in today's world? Well, I, I have to say a, a couple of things. Did you mention one of them? I mean, you have to have passion. If you don't have passion for what you're trying to do or what you want to get involved in, then it, it's not going to work. You have to care, I would say, fairly deeply and really be passionate about it. But the other thing, and I'm going to use a, an example that Charlie always used, we happened to get involved in a project um, in uh, the Ukraine and before the war of helping young people in the Ukraine. And so at the time that we got involved in this, uh, he said to Charlie, what if this doesn't work? And Charlie said to him, you can't be afraid to drill dry holes. So I, I have to tell people, you can't be afraid you have to it's very hard today and I thought growing up when I grew up with the anti-semitism and not the diversity that we have today was hard but I didn't have to um I I'm not on Facebook I don't even know what Facebook is I don't do TikTok or whatever it's called I barely text I bought email so I'm not threatened today with everything that I read about the pressures. We had pressures, but not the kind of pressures that young people have today. And not all these phones and, and technology and everything that I have. So I, I think that you have to, and it's hard to feel secure within yourself. That you have to look at what you can do, but not what is bad in you, but what is good and how you can help. 
you have to get outside of yourself and learn to smile at a person, look them in the eye and say, how are you? Or have a good day. And that's going to make somebody else's day brighter. And if you look at doing that, it's going to make your day brighter. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. Uh, you know, I love to hear it and um, completely agree with everything you said. It resonates very well. Um, and thank you so much again for for coming on the podcast, Lynn. Really, really appreciate your time. I have to tell you, I have to thank you. And if Charlie were, he'd thank you. I mean, looking at you, you are what we strive for, what we care about. And you're going to be a perfect example. And I'm counting on you to make this a better world and to bring somebody else after you there. Thank you so much. Take care. Yeah. Well, no pressure, but I hope to do the same thing. Well, that's a wrap. See you next time on Kicking It with Krish. Stay tuned. If you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and a review. Follow at Kicking It With Krish on YouTube and TikTok to see video clips and stay updated on future episodes and guests. Thank you so much for listening and take care.